the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Franz. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. It's ten minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Tuesday. It's the 28th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thank you so much for joining us. On Always Right Radio, we have a lot of work to do today. You know what the news the uh, news story of the day is, the lead story of the day is. We're not going to pretend otherwise. We're going to dive right into it. I have many, many, many angles to cover on the terrible shooting in Nashville yesterday, and we're going to cover them all. I've got great guests coming up. Chris Doerr, president of Ohio Gun Owners at 935, is going to talk to us about the uh, attack on quote-unquote assault weapons, the new gun grab, which happens literally within seconds to minutes of a terrible, terrible shooting like this. Politicization of the uh, shooting is just standard par for the course for the radical left. And Chris Doerr is going to address uh, the uh, new calls for more gun control in the wake of Nashville. Then at 10.10, Peter Kirstenau is going to join us, and Pete and I are just going to literally do it all, the entire thing, top to bottom. We're going to cover this uh, the very best we can. I welcome you, when the time allows, to dial 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110 to give us your thoughts on what happened in Nashville and what this means going forward 
uh, in the bigger picture. Now, before I get into the details, and there are there are plenty of them, trust me when I tell you, uh, let's go ahead and do our pledge. I don't want to leave this hanging out there and uh, people get mad when I don't do the pledge, but I don't want to interrupt the flow of what we're doing in a moment uh, with that. So let's pay tribute to our glorious country, our proud country, founded by visionaries who knew we would need our Second Amendment rights no matter what the lunatics of today tell you. Yeah, that country. Let's stand. Face your flag. Put your hand on your heart. Join me in our Pledge of Allegiance. If you are a believer that the founders were ignorant and didn't know what they were doing and we need to get rid of guns altogether because that's what's going to make us safe and free, well, then you don't recognize what that flag represents anyway. You're exempted from the request to stand and pledge your allegiance to it. For the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So much information to share with you, and I want you to share it with others. First, I'm going to say their names. Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. Have you ever heard of them before? Do you know their names? You should know their names. I'm starting with them, because you're going to hear the name of the shooter, the trans shooter in Nashville, plenty uh, in this program and beyond. But you probably aren't going to hear the names of Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. Who are they? Victims? No, they were not among the six victims in Nashville yesterday. Three uh, adults over 60 and three elementary school children, one, eight, two, nine. No, that's not them either. The names Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo should be in your mind because they're the Nashville police officers who killed Audrey Hale during that massacre at the Covenant School in Nashville. These are the hero police officers who did not wait. As soon as they arrived, they came under fire from the shooter who ambushed and shot at the cars as they arrived. But they came through that anyway, got into the school, and put an end to that threat within 14 minutes. Now, I would suggest to you 14 minutes is a great time comparatively to some others. It's also 14 minutes too long. It would be great if a shooter like this was stopped in seconds or in one or two minutes by an armed officer on the scene working the school, which is an element we'll talk about in a moment, but they didn't have that, so what they did have is officers who came through. Nashville authorities announced the following, quote, The first call to 911 about shots being fired in the building came in at 10.13 a.m. Officers rushed to the campus, made entry, and began clearing the building. Shots were heard coming from the second level. It was on the second floor in a common area that a team of officers encountered Hale shooting. She had been firing through a window at arriving police cars. Two members of an officer team fired on Hale and fatally wounded her. Those two officers are Officer Rex Engelbert, a four-year MNPD veteran, and Officer Michael Colazzo, a nine-year MNPD veteran. So I just want their names to be on the tips of your tongues, and I want it to be in your memory, and I want it to be in your uh, your breadth of knowledge, because everybody's going to talk about the shooter, and everybody's going to talk about the victims. Let's talk about the heroes right off the top. So that's that. Make sure you know the names. Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. They deserve your respect. Now, 
to the shooter and so many elements of this we need to discuss. Metro Nashville police identified the shooter as a 28-year-old woman hours after the attack. I'll get to the woman part in a second. During the press conference, an official said the shooter was armed with two assault-type rifles and a handgun. It was confirmed that the shooter was a former student at the Covenant School. She was taken out by two Metro Nashville Police Department officers, as I just told you. Police identified the six victims, as they include three nine-year-old children. I'm sorry, I had one eight and two nine in a previous report. So at any rate, it doesn't matter. The uh, young children dying is just simply horrific. Three adults, 60 years old and above, equally horrific. The victims, uh, Evelyn Dickhouse, Haley Scruggs, and William Kenny, all age nine, so there's that confirmation. Cynthia Peak, 61, Catherine Kuntz, 60, and Mike Hill, 61. Catherine Kuntz was the head of the Covenant School. The shooter, uh, as I said, a 28-year-old woman, is being referred to as a 28-year-old woman. Almost exclusively, almost. There's an element of this that needs to be pointed out in the the original coverage, the initial coverage of all of this. Audrey Hale, 28 years old, identifies as he slash him, the male pronouns, on social media profiles and uses the name Aiden when identifying herself. So this is a female-to-male trans. At least that's what we think right now. The reason I phrase it that way is because yesterday there were back-and-forth fights all over social media and in actual news coverage as to whether or not this was a biological female who was trans to male or if it was a biological male who was trans to female because the media kept referring to the shooter as she and her. So what does that mean? Well, it means two things. Number one, it just shows how out of control our ridiculous culture has become. We continue to play this ridiculous identity games with sick, twisted people, and it confuses everybody about everything, and it has to stop. That's one. Two, the fact that every news program was calling this Nashville shooter a woman means something. Because, again, after a long, protracted debate... And as a matter of fact, that debate wasn't even settled in some minds by the end of the day yesterday. My wife woke up this morning and saying, so it was a guy who was transitioning to female? And I said, no. I said, that's what we thought for a good part of yesterday. But as of right now, they are saying Audrey is her real name. She is a biological female. She attended that school as a female and has since, now at age 28, at some point decided she was a male and goes by he, him, and then he made it. But the fact that the mainstream news, all of the outlets, continue to call him a her, or excuse me, call her a her and a she, which is accurate according to her biology, is very, very eye-opening. Because never since the movement of the, you know, the trans agenda began, or the trans movement began, never have media been courageous enough to call people by their biological pronouns. They always, quote-unquote, respect the choice or the preference of the individual who is trans. So if there is a female who thinks that she's a male, the media will always call that person a he and a him, right? 
We hear it every single day. Yet in this case, they just continue to say the shooter was a 28-year-old female named Audrey Hales. She went into the school, shot at her former uh, you know, school head, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They said she and her the entire... Since when did the mainstream media start misgendering, as the left calls it, trans people in the news? It's a legitimate question. And I think the answer has something to do with the fact that the mainstream media does not want you to link the murder of children with trans, with the transgender profile, with transgender people. They They do not want you to know how potentially violent these people are. So they're basically saying, Audrey Hales, just female, just female, just female. They won't mention or in very scant, very rare instances, are they actually mentioning that this person goes by he, him, and the name Aiden. So it's very bizarre that they do not want to do that, and the reason is probably, again, pretty a pretty strong one. And that reason is, well, let me just go ahead and uh, enlist this for you real quick. The Colorado Springs shooter identified as non-binary, which means trans. The Denver shooter was identified as trans. The Aberdeen shooter was identified as trans. And now the Nashville shooter is identified as trans. That's four in the last several months. That's four. There are pictures, photographs, selfies being taken by trans people and trans allies Online right now, I'm staring one from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. People carrying signs that say trans rights or else. And included on their signs are pictures of long guns, silhouettes of rifles. The indication, of course, being if we don't get trans rights, we will kill you. If you don't recognize us, we will kill you. Now, is that in of itself enough to say that the entire trans movement is is murderous and is homicidal? No, but I'm just telling you these things exist. These things are real, as are the signs that are on social media that say April 1st, that's this Saturday, is the Trans Day of Vengeance. Stop trans genocide, it says, which, of course, they consider to be anybody who doesn't want to uh, allow uh, children to become physically mutilated with surgeries to change their genders. They say that's a genocide against them because then they're going to kill themselves. They call it the Trans Day of, of Vengeance. We want more than visibility, it says. This is March 30, uh, or excuse me, April 1st, 11 a.m., March 31st, TBA, so this would be Friday, Saturday, I guess. And then it's got contact information there with uh, non-binary people. So the, the media clearly does not want you linking the murder with the trans identification of the shooter. So they just continue to use the actual biological pronoun uh, pronouns of she and her to refer to this person who identifies as male and uses he and him. Now, I, of course, would always use those pronouns. So I'm not saying the mainstream media is wrong. I'm saying it is rare. In fact, it is not precedented. They always will choose to call the person by what they want to be called, uh, even if it is not 
accurate uh, from a grammarial perspective or grammatical perspective, I should say, you know, including they, their, plural as opposed to singular pronouns, or the opposite, he, him, and she, her. They always do that to, quote-unquote, respect people's personal choices. Now there's no respect here for this dead person. They're just calling her a woman and trying to bury the trans aspect of the story. So that's extremely important to know. I want to read a tweet now from J.D. Vance, our senator. We're still learning about the horrific shooting in Nashville, but if early reports are accurate that a trans shooter targeted a Christian school, there needs to be a lot of soul-searching on the extreme left. Giving in to these ideas isn't compassion. It's dangerous. And J.D. Vance is exactly correct. Giving in to these ideas about this bizarre, strange, fantasy lifestyle of transing and non-binarying and making up your own pronoun and furrying and all of these other things is not compassionate. It is dangerous. Look at the mental uh, state of these people and look at what it's leading to. Now, quick response to that from Mia Farrow. You know Mia Farrow. Mia Farrell responded to J.D. Vance's tweet, and I'm only reading her response so I can give you mine. She wrote to J.D. Vance, stop it. Do something necessary, rational, and compassionate. Give us the ban we desperately need on AR-style semi-automatic weapons. And I just simply felt like I needed to respond to that, so I did. And my response to Mia Farrell is, why? Less than 2% of gun deaths each year are from AR-style semi-automatic weapons, shallow thinker. More people are stabbed to death each year that are killed with those. In fact, more people are beaten to death with fists and feet than are killed by AR-style semi-automatic weapons, otherwise known as in Biden land as assault weapons. And in a Biden whisper, allow me to say, not kidding. It's real. The idea that these are the problem and not the mental health issues of these particular shooters is just absurdity. It's absurdity. I've got so much more, I haven't even touched the weaponry yet, so we're going to do that. Or maybe I barely just touched it. We're going to do that coming up after the bottom of the hour news. We're going to be talking to Chris Dorr, who is the president of Ohio Gun Owners. He is a uh, one of the foremost experts in this state and maybe in this region of the country on firearms and firearm laws uh, and restrictions and more. So we're going to talk to Chris Dorr after the bottom of the hour about that. We'll get into all of this with Chris and I at 1010. And like I said, pick your spots when you want to have something to say at 216-901-0945. We'll be back. The answer. Appreciate you being with us this morning. We're going to talk to uh, Peter Kersenow about everything that happened in Nashville from every angle. We've already started about five or six of those angles, but uh, the one we're going to focus on right now is the guns, because that is exactly what President... No, it's not true. 
It's not exactly what uh, President Biden automatically went to yesterday when he uh, addressed this. Um, when media tuned in to the White House, uh, and I think it was the East Room, to uh, hear the president's remarks about the tragic shooting in Nashville, this is what they heard. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. God. The President of the United States, upon hearing that six people were murdered by a, a nut in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, came down and did a 45-second comedy routine to a, to a chuckling and laughing press corps. Talking about how he loves chocolate chip ice cream. Unbelievable. But after he did his little comedy routine, which I can't tell if it was intentional or dementia-driven, and he just didn't realize what he was there for at that moment in time. But immediately after that, then he did remember, or somebody reminded him, and he went ahead with his, hey, uh, we have to get rid of all assault weapons. The police in Nashville, Tennessee, said that the shooter, Audrey Hales, 28-year-old female, identifying as male trans, um... Uh, had two quote-unquote assault weapons, assault rifles, and a pistol. Uh, so I figured, okay, we knew this was coming, and in fact, literally, the uh, the bodies were still warm, and the left was all over this, screaming about the need for an assault weapons ban. So joining us now to respond to that is one of the uh, one of the, one of the, the best experts I think working in uh, not only Ohio but maybe this region of the country. Chris Dore is the director of Ohio Gun Owners. Ohio Gun Owners, if you do not know, describes itself as a no holds barred Second Amendment organization mobilizing grassroots to defend freedom and fight communism and tyranny, and we are all about all of those. So, Chris Dore, thank you for the time this morning. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well, Bob. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming on. We need expertise here. So, let let's. There's a lot of ground to cover here, but I just want to start out with this this definition of assault weapons because every time we have an incident like this, and every time there is, you know, an AR involved or uh, another semi-automatic rifle, Joe Biden and his ill continue to get up there and attack what they call assault weapons, which, to my knowledge, and I don't have the knowledge you do about firearms, um, is is essentially a made-up term there's no nobody that no, no manufacturer that, that creates something that says you know here is our assault weapon can you define what they mean by assault weapons chris well that's the problem nobody can but it doesn't matter to these people because they're like the rumple stiltskins of the political world they use terms like assault weapons so they can spin the blood of the innocent dead into political gold uh, for their political agenda to disarm their political opposition. We all own our AR-15s and our what they classify as assault weapons as a final check and balance on government gone tyrannical. But these people have no shame. Uh, they don't. They're never bothered by truth or definition of terms. They throw these things out there in the in the hopes that gun owners like you and me uh, and our membership will get on the defensive. Um, and uh, we can't fall for that. We must not fall for that. We got to remember at the end of the day that governments kill more innocent people than than uh, thugs and killers who walk into churches. And uh, it, it's a very tragic thing what happened yesterday. But at the end of the day, these these rights weren't codified in the in the Bill of Rights and Article 1, Section 4 of the Ohio Constitution uh, to make sure that we could even protect ourselves against people like this transgender nut job. 
it's it's a, it's a, it's an insurance policy against government gone tyrannical. That's well said. We're talking to Chris Dorr, director of Ohio Gun Owners. I want to quote another uh, Second Amendment advocate, one of the best known in the country, in fact, Colio Noir, who is an attorney in addition to being a Second Amendment advocate. He tweeted yesterday, crying about an assault weapon ban when the shooter literally left a manifesto saying that that school was chosen because of the lack of armed security compared to another target is wild. He said, the shooter killed six people with so-called assault weapons. The Virginia Tech shooter killed 36 with handguns. Harden the schools, dummies. We'll talk about hardening the schools in a minute, but but that is just so important to know. Uh, you know, they, they, they do try to use the assault weapon tag to scare people, but the reality is far more people are murdered every year in this country with handguns than with quote-unquote assault weapons or ARs. Oh, it's, um, it's absolutely true, um, and... Not only was the school yesterday targeted because of this, but you can think of the vast majority of of uh, school shootings in American history, certainly within the last decade. The vast majority of these places and locations are our schools, their houses of worship, their places where they know there's a higher chance of nobody being able, or, you know, nobody being able to stop them quickly. Um, mm-hmm. Just look at the downtown Dayton, Ohio shooting in, in 2000. And 19, um, it, it took police to get there, and they got there in, in record time, but uh, they, they attacked that place, uh, knowing that most people going around having a good time are not armed themselves. So this is the pattern that these killers um, you know, follow, and it's, it's not because they have proximity to firearms. It's not because they can purchase them legally. It's because they have evil in their hearts. Um, and, and, and we've taken God out of the schools. We're teaching kids that there's no right and wrong. They can do whatever feels right. And then we're shocked somehow when this educate in, indoctrination system that we're raising these kids in, when it starts to, 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 to spew out these monsters, we're shocked somehow. Chris, um, how did, going back to, to Biden for a second and his comments, um, he also said, and I didn't hear this audio, I read part of the coverage of it that he said at his uh, press conference yesterday that the killer was armed with two AK-47s. How dangerous is it that Joe Biden either spins that lie, because an AK, of course, is a fully automatic weapon, and AR-15 is a semi-automatic weapon, which is no different than the, the handgun she was carrying, essentially. But when you have the president up there, and, and I don't know if he just doesn't know the difference because they both start with A, so he thinks they're the same, or he's intentionally lying, but how dangerous is that for you know the Second Amendment discussion slash debate in this country? Well, it's, I think it's high time that gun owners kind of get on board with the fact that the left, the Democrat left, whatever you want to call them, they don't care, like I said earlier, about the definition of terms. They are trying to score points in order to enact their worldview and their agenda. And their agenda is the destruction of the of the individual right of firearms ownership in America for the purpose of disarming their political opponents. Do they care what the terms mean? Absolutely not. That's why I call them AR-14s. That's why they've called them fully semi-automatic machine guns with high-capacity clips and stuff like that. I mean, uh, the, the gun owner world is very tempted to sit here and dismiss these people because they don't know the definition of the terms that they use and throw about carelessly. The fact is, they don't care about the definition of, of the terms. And yes, that's very alarming because of those, and because of those reasons. They are trying to, to use these instances of tragedy um, to 
to foist their agenda, their gun control agenda down our throats. And we need to not apologize. We need to not feel guilty. We need to fight back at every single level here. Chris Dorr is the director of Ohio Gun Owners. They have a Facebook page. Just look for Ohio Gun Owners. They have 177,000 followers, so one of the strongest grassroots groups in uh, in the state of Ohio advocating for the Second Amendment. They have a Twitter feed, too. It is uh, Ohio Gun Owners. Ohio Gun Owners. Look for, uh, for, for that there. So, Chris, um, let's talk about the fact that this shooter, this Audrey Hales, um, and by the way, you know what, this is a little bit off the topic of firearms, and I brought you on here to talk about that, but what the hell. Talk about the fact that they uh, are trying to downplay, if not eliminate altogether, the trans aspect of this. Because never, and I mean literally, I don't ever recall since this massive trans agenda was begun, have I heard mainstream media outlets referring to a trans person by their biological pronouns. Um, right. Audrey Hales <laughs> is a biological female and chooses he, him pronouns on, on online social media profiles, goes by the name of Aiden, um, and yet all of the media is calling this just a woman named Audrey Hales, a woman named Audrey Hales, she and her, completely what the left calls misgendering this shooter. Why do you think that is? Well, yeah, and usually as a gun rights organization, people say we should just stay in our lane, but all of this stuff is being foisted upon us and into our wheelhouse. We're Ohio's based gun rights organization, so we're not afraid to talk about these things. But look at the Colorado Springs shooter, identified as non-binary. The Denver shooter, a little while back, identified as trans. The Aberdeen shooter, trans. The Nashville shooter, transgender. Uh, you know, I, I had a friend of mine, one of our OGO members, called me up the other day, and he said... Uh, that you can't make a diesel engine a gasoline engine by gradually introducing gasoline to the diesel. You will ruin the engine. The same with humans. Uh, and, and that's what's going on here. These people are so screwed up, um, you know, that they, uh, uh, oh, well, that this, this, is, this is what happens. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's funny. It's funny the, um, the media instantly starts to downplay this stuff because, hey, it's not, it doesn't promote their agenda and uh, we're supposed to we're supposed to sit down and shut up and and uh, go along with it. So yeah, we point these things out. We have no problem pointing these now these things out. And um, it's going to only increase. It's going to only increase from here uh, because as this system generates more and more and more of them. I need to know who your friend was. That is the best analogy or metaphor that i have ever heard about this trans thing turning a diesel engine into a gasoline engine by slowly introducing gas to it uh that is a brilliant person and i want to follow them whoever they are that's (laughs) i can private message you afterwards (laughs) that's fine do that because i i want to follow that person that's that person is is on it that's a great explanation now let me go back to how do we stop school shootings you know we continue to see the tragedy in things places like uvalde and by the way the police in this case responded much better than the ones down in uvalde but we continue the the anti-uvalde response Amen to that. And I started my show this morning by identifying Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. We should know their names. Yes. Everybody's going to yes, know the indeed. shooters' names, and they may know some of the victims' names. Nobody's going to know the names of the cops that stopped that. So I want everybody to know yes. Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. But um, 
So, as you pointed out, and as I referenced uh, as well, this shooter in their manifesto, which has not yet been completely released, but portions of it are being reported, um, specifically chose this particular school, probably for two reasons. One, because she used to go there, and apparently, according to some of the reports, had some resentment for being forced to go to this uh, this Christian school. But uh, also because yeah. the other school that she was considering was too heavily fortified. I don't think she used the word fortified, but too much security. Generally speaking, shooters don't like being shot back at, so they don't go to places where there might be armed security. They go to soft targets like this. So the question is, is can we, how do we start to have, you know, instead of 14 minutes later, here come the cops from wherever they may be, have them on site in schools across this state and across the country? Well, we've heard a lot of suggestions over the last, you know, five years, you know, have have uh, retired veterans. Uh, arm, you know, protect the schools. I know a lot of people would sign up and do that uh, very willingly and probably for free. Uh, you know, there's uh, there's the suggestions that we start making our schools look like Soviet blockhouses where there's no windows, there's, you know, uh, no sunlight coming in and things like that. I think um, I think that's treating the symptoms of this problem. However, it's definitely not going to solve what is generating these these problems. And a few years ago, there was an Ohio State representative after the after the Dayton shootings. Uh, she suggested that the problem here isn't the guns. The problem is the broken families, the broken schools, the destruction of the family unit in our culture. And something I would point to is the widespread proliferation of psychotropic SSRI. Uh, drugs that are being foisted on our kids these days. These kids, they don't have real childhoods. They're not growing up in, in whole families. And so, um, yeah, this, again, this problem is just going to continue until those cultural problems, these matters of the heart are fixed in our society. And sadly, it's not going to go away anytime soon. So, yeah, harden the schools, well, harden your churches if you're, if you're part of these. Uh, these places, it's definitely on you uh, now. Nobody else is going to come save you. They can't be there in time to save everybody. Uh, you are your own best defense wherever you are, and if you can, for goodness sakes, everybody, uh, carry a firearm. Uh, Chris Dorr is my guest, the director of uh, Ohio Gun Owners. Chris, you said before that, generally speaking, you advise 2A people to stay in their lane. You have many, many lanes. The stuff you're talking about right now is spot on. You're talking about the families, talking about the trans issue, talking about kids' childhoods. Your your lane is, is widely expansive, so I hope you uh, change them whenever you want to. This is good stuff. Um, specifically, Chris, I want to I want to ask you about Governor Mike DeWine, and it was coincidental that this was published yesterday morning. I believe this was before, in fact, I'm, I'm almost a thousand percent sure that this was published in the Plain Dealer before the shooting yesterday in Nashville. Governor Mike DeWine's proposal to spend $388 million over the next two years to put a school resource officer in every public and private school in Ohio. As criminal justice and children advocates concerned that without guardrails, it would exacerbate what they called the school-to-prison pipeline. Um, how do you feel about spending nearly $400 million? I can't speak to the price tag. I don't know if it's accurate or if it's padded with all kinds of other crap, but uh, spending nearly $400 million to put a, an armed cop in every school. Well, I... I guess I'd have to, I guess I don't know what the knee-jerk reaction to something like that is. I guess that's something that's obviously going to have to, uh, the people are going to have to weigh in because that's going to have to come from the legislature. But, you know, we can't keep throwing Band-Aids 
at the cultural problems that we have. Um, so uh, might it might it prevent some some of these things from happening? Yeah, it, it very well could. Um, is it going to stop the generation of these problems? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So. Well, well you're right, but I, I concur. Um, but uh, but I will say this is something I have been advocating for for a very long time, and I'm surprised that our terrible, awful, no good, very bad governor actually got one right here because I think he did. Um, you know, we we often talk about there are armed officers guarding judges and attorneys and witnesses in every courtroom. There are armed mm-hmm. guards in yes. banks guarding our money. You know, how do we not have armed guards guarding our children uh, in in soft targeted places like this? So I've and I've oh, actually said yeah. too, Chris. Go ahead. Now, the, yeah, the fact of the matter is that our General Assembly is is uh, very happy to throw money at ridiculous and stupid things uh, on a frequent basis and by fuck mar- much larger dollar amounts than what we're referring to here. Uh, so, yeah, 100%. if the system that they have helped to create is generating these problems uh, as, as far as, like, school killers and stuff, then it's certainly their responsibility to have somebody there with a gun at all times. They, I agree, agree, hundred percent. And you know, people are going to say, "Oh, that's too much money." And you're right; it's a small amount compared to some of the things they waste money on. But I have also said for years, uh, if there's one thing they're going to raise my taxes for, it would be for more police. And if it means putting more police in 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 schools to protect kids against threats, I will pay a higher tax for that. There are very few things I would say I want to pay a higher tax for, and I don't want to. But if I have to, if that's what it takes to protect kids and stop this nonsense, then that's what I, I want. And I believe that, you know, the overwhelming majority of people in our state would do the same thing. Well, don't give them a green light because they will absolutely jack your taxes up. However, I would say there's more than enough money in our state budget on an annual basis to find that in dross and waste uh, that we can easily cut some frivolous uh, spending and reallocate that uh, those assets uh, to some to a much better pursuit, which is protecting our kids. Yeah, that that would be the preferable route. Find waste and use the money from that. Yeah. But uh, in the event that they needed Indeed. to, I mean, this is something I think is that important, and uh, it's about time somebody said it. And like I said, I'm surprised that this particular governor said it. But be that as it may, Chris Dorr, director of Ohio Gun Owners, again, follow them on Twitter and what they do. It's Ohio Gun at Ohio Gun Owners. Follow them on Facebook, same place, just Ohio Gun Owners. Uh, a very, very important grassroots organization fighting for Second Amendment rights, which are the rights that protect our liberty. Chris, thank you for what you do. I appreciate it. Hopefully we can chat again soon. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, sir. Chris Dorr joining us. I love that phrase. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to use it on the radio many, many times. I will not be able to give attribution to it because Chris won't tell me who said it. I guess I'll have to give it to Chris and say somebody else told him, but I love that metaphor. You cannot turn a diesel engine into a gasoline engine by slowly introducing gas into its system. All it will do is destroy the engine, as is the case with the human body. So, so well said. We'll take a time out and come back on Always Right Radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420. The answer. 10 o'clock and hour number two is underway. 
All right. Are we good? That kind of caught me off guard there, that uh, second second music. Okay. Uh, not, not, oh, it's cursing on music. That's why. All right. Now I get it. Sorry about that. A little, uh, little, little caught me off guard there a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's right. It is cursing on music because uh, let's welcome our good friend, the longest serving commissioner in the history of the Civil Rights Commission. Uh, Cleveland attorney, best-selling author, columnist, law professor, and the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter Kersenow, welcome back. How are you, good sir? Doing well, thanks to Johnny, best engineer in the business for that music. Yeah, he's exactly right. I mean, that's uh, that's my bumper music, that, and I want to take you higher by Sly and the Family Stones because contemporary music stinks big time. Well, Johnny is the best in the business, but Johnny's on vacation right now, and that was Josh who hooked you up with the music. So Way everybody to go, Josh. Knows. Yeah, everybody <laughs> knows uh, what personnel likes to hear. There you go. It caught me off guard for crying out loud. All right, uh, Pete, we got a lot of very important and serious stuff to discuss. Um, and before we do talk about the serious stuff here, I, I want to talk about somebody who did not take it seriously when he approached the podium uh, for the first time uh, yesterday. Now, this is this is the president of the United States who came down to address the media very specifically because of the uh, 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 the report of the the Nashville school shooting that took the lives of three nine-year-olds and uh, three adults over 60, including the head of school and, I believe, uh, uh, a substitute teacher of all things. Can you imagine how horrible that is? A substitute teacher and uh, and a custodian. So, So six lives gone, and Joe Biden comes down uh, to speak to the press, um, and, uh, and says this, come on, Joe. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. God. Pete, I don't know what to make of that. Um, I, I don't know if he had a dementia moment where he forgot what he was down there for and literally just started riffing on ice cream that he loves, um, or if it was his intent to do a stand-up little comedy, having the press corps laughing and guffawing and knee-slapping about his love of ice cream as they sit here waiting to hear specifically about uh, six dead people in a school shooting in Nashville. What do you make of that? Yeah, um, I tell you a couple things. Number one is this guy, if if we're simply just cynical and look at it from retail politics standpoint, this is a person who has been in office for over 50 years. He knows that in certain situations, uh, you've got to respond in a certain fashion, particularly if you're president of the United States. You're the leader of the free world. And in horrific times, horrific circumstances, you're expected to act with a certain degree of decorum and appropriate to the situation, the gravity of the situation. Um, That's one thing, that he would do something like that so cavalierly on the heels of a horrific tragedy. But number two is the laughter, I think maybe even more astonishing. The assembled press corps, which runs cover for the Biden administration, were there, and they knew why they were there, because they were going to listen to something about uh, the the shooting, and shooting of little kids, extraordinary, and they're guffawing and having a great time, and it tells you a little bit about the mentality, and I don't mean to be a, paint a broad brush, I'm sure there are fine people there, and sometimes people do things 
Um, you know, they're not really thinking, okay? Um, the president should always be thinking. Unfortunately, I'm not sure he's got the capacity for it. Nonetheless, in a situation like that, you would expect that they'd be treating the situation with the gravity that it deserves, and not so cavalierly. They've been running cover for this administration since the very beginning, since the, he started uh, campaigning out of his basement, and they continue to do so, and I thought it was extraordinarily uh, inappropriate, but it's it, it tells you also something about their reflective mindset, re- reflexive mindset when it comes to shooting such as this. Immediately, we all knew, every single one of your listeners, all you fine people out there knew immediately what was going to happen within seconds after hearing about this mass shooting, and that is gun control, the reflexive run to gun control. And that's what Biden, we knew it. They should just simply make a tape that they could run over and over and over again whenever these shootings occur. And I have to say, unfortunately, the shootings are going to continue because it has nothing to do with guns or gun control. Think of variables. Just do a regression analysis that anybody with an IQ above 14 can do. What has changed in the last 25 years when we've started to have this spate of mass gun shootings at schools and elsewhere? What's changed? We've always had guns in this country, always, since the very beginning. They've always been there. Nothing has changed about that. Everyone had access to guns. In fact, for a long time, I remember, when I'm, you know, I'm dating myself, but when I was a young kid, there were gun clubs in a lot of schools. People brought guns to school, and you never heard about any of this. Didn't happen whatsoever. It's not the proliferation of guns, then, if you look at it, because that variable has remained constant throughout our history. In fact, we have gotten more restrictive in terms of gun availability than we, we have in the past. But the more restrictive we get, the, the greater the proliferation of these mass shootings. What has changed? Well, there are a number of things that have changed, and I don't know what the one thing is or two things that may have caused this this change. I mean, I, I date this mainly from Columbine in the late 90s when we started to have this frequency of these shootings. And some of it is copycat, kind of like Abigail Schreier talks about social contagion as it applies to transgenders, for example. And some of that is that, and I don't mean to look at one isolated circumstance, but I would submit to you that given the fact that the availability of guns has been constant. If not, in fact, it's not constant. It's actually gone down, yet we've had an increase in shooting. I would submit that if you're taking a look at the reasons for this thing, perhaps you should look at things that have changed fundamentally over the last 25, 30 years that, um, you know, uh, since the advent of these, these shootings. What has changed? And what you see is there was a poll that came out last week that I think capsulizes it. And again, I don't mean to be cavalier or just, you know, simply do short shrift on this. But there was a poll that came out that I think is instructive. And it was in the Wall Street Journal. It was a Gallup poll. And it said for the first time in American history, church membership has fallen below a majority. But there were other things that they found. They found just in the last 25 years, a 25 point decline in the people who say that and it's mainly among folks under 40, people who say that having children is important. There was a 30, I'm sorry, a decline in 1998 in patriotism from those saying that patriotism is important or they consider patriotism important in their own lives to saying it's not important has gone from 70% in 1988 to 38% now. Those who are saying that having kids is important went from 59% to 30%. Those who said that religion is important went from 62% to 39%. Those who said community involvement is important went from 62% to 27%. And the only thing that rose was those who said having money is important to them, went from 31% to 43%. 
So what we have here is a country not concerned about spirituality, not concerned about the essence of being a human being, but concerned about, you know, <laughs> things like money, concerned about trivial things. I don't mean to diminish, I mean, look, I happen to be comfortable, so, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to say that money is not important. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at these other factors, it tells you about a corruption at the heart of America that is significant, especially over a short period of time. These are the kind of figures you would expect to see from, say, 1800 to 2023, not from just 25 years ago. But there's been this collapse in our societal mores that I suggest those are the changes that might be part of the factor. I'm not going to say it's the whole thing. I'm not a sociologist. But, you know, I've been around for a while, just as you have, and you can look at things and you can draw certain conclusions. And what we know is guns have been around all the time. That's not the variable then. But what we have is a culture that has become toxic, increasingly so, and it's being promoted by the left. If anybody should be hiding their head, head in the sand over all of this, it should be the left and the, the corruption that they have, have been promoting over the last 25 years. And again, I'm not going to blame uh, discrete leftists here or there, and I'm not saying it's the whole reason, and I'm not saying that there's a scientific basis for saying these things that is ironclad. But common sense says that uh, when a president and the media laugh about a shooting and then pivot right away to gun control, it tells you a lot about their mindset and their lack of seriousness about this. And I mean that lack of seriousness. Sorry for bloviating, Bob, but uh, this is this is one of those things that we shouldn't be tolerating this stuff anymore. Those I saw the pictures of those beautiful kids and those those earnest and diligent teachers and custodians also. And um, you say to yourself, and this is at a at a Christian school. This is you ask yourself. What is going on in our country? What is the sickness that's enveloped us? And it's not guns. It's not guns. So I'm sick of these clowns. Strike that. I am sick of the President of the United States and his enablers in the press saying things that are fundamentally untrue. All very well said. I was wondering if I was going to get a second question in this half hour. So we got to, we got a lot of ground to cover there. But, Pete, uh, I've got follow-ups on some of the things you just said and new questions as well, including the trans angle and why it is that the press is trying to bury that aspect. Peter, stay where you are, if you would, good sir. We will ask that question coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, it's Bob France, and if you're in the market for new flooring, then I've got just two words for you. Floor King. Family owned and operated since 1985, right here in Brooklyn, Ohio, with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Right now, the Floor King is offering you 24 months at 0% financing on your flooring project or 10% off your total purchase price. So call now. Call 216-640-5000. That's 216-640-5000. Set up your free in-home estimate today. Think Okay, 1022 now. Uh, we continue on AM 1420, the answer with our man, Peter Kersenow, who breaks it all down for us like nobody else can. Pete, you covered a lot of ground there, but I want to focus in and drill down on um, 
The aspect that the media apparently wishes was not a part of this story. The guns, they like that being a part of the story, sure. Uh, they don't like to, ha- to talk about this part. The fact that uh, Audrey Hale, the 28-year-old woman, female, biological female, who identifies as he and him and uses the name Aiden, is a transgender uh, male. The media, to my knowledge, Peter, and you can tell me, you, you, you watch media and you're part of the media as much as I am, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I have yet, since this trans movement, this agenda, you know, became, you know, went, in, went into, a, you know, full swing, if you will. I have yet to see the mainstream media refer to somebody who says they are trans and likes to use the, uh, the opposite sex pronouns, quote unquote, misgender them. They have always said, you know, Leah Thomas, for example, they refer to, despite this this swimmer being a biological male, they will refer to Leah Thomas as a her or a she every single time. And I th- in every instance, that's been the case. But all of the media yesterday, including Fox News this morning, Peter, continues to refer to Audrey Hales as she and her and a biological woman and are not talking about the trans aspect of this. Is that because they do not want to associate the trans movement with being violent, uh, with, with you know a, a killing of children here? Because this is the only time I've seen them, quote-unquote, misgender anybody. Why do you think that is, Peter? I think it's for the same reason that, and this is something that every single American knows, and no one says, says out loud, when you don't hear the race of a perpetrator, you know who, what that race is. You know every single time because the media goes out of their way to suppress any negative stories related to criminality uh, with respect to blacks. They will not mention it. And what's even more amazing is, you know, I've, with, on the Civil Rights Commission, I get a lot of correspondence. We've even had a hearing similar to this where uh, if you go to college campuses, many college campuses have protocols for their security personnel that they're not to identify a suspect. In other words, if, for example, there are, there's a spate of thefts going on on campus and uh, somebody is seen who has done the, the stealing, or at least there's there's a, a perpetrator who might be at large that some people think they recognize or could give you some description. They'll tell you that the guy's 6'3", 212 pounds. They wore a green shirt most of the time. They've got, uh, you know, uh, a scar on his left cheek, but they will never, never tell you the race. In fact, some police departments, campus police departments, have issued directives to the officers saying, do not identify the race, which that's probably the easiest thing to identify and more quickly narrows down the, the suspect pool more than anything else. This is where we've gotten to in the country, and the same kind of approach applies when it comes to the trans community. Trans is the new black. And so nothing neg- negative may ever be uttered regarding the trans community, which, in my opinion, first of all, is dumb, dishonest, but it infantilizes trans people also, as if trans people can't, you know, handle the, 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 uh, the reality of it. But it's, you know, trans people are, not, you know, I, I will tell you this, that I think, again, I've said this several times before on your show, having met your, your listeners, they're compassionate, um, they're going to treat people with respect, that's what conservatives do. At the same time, we embrace reality. We're not going to deny reality in order to make somebody feel good. That's the worst thing you can do for that individual. It's patronizing and a host of other things, but it's also horrible for society at large. The truth matters. Accuracy matters, especially when you're talking about criminal conduct. Now, in this particular case, the perpetrator is not at large, um, so there's no immediate effect to not 
naming and identifying the person accurately, but there's a sociological and cultural effect. Uh, there is this denial, and I think, you know, if, if I were trans, I would be upset because it's, it's making me into a child who has no agency whatsoever. But there's this, this uh, denial of what, of, re, of what reality is, and I think that it's been harmful to society at large, will continue to be harmful to society at large. Abigail Schreier has written to me the book on transsexual uh, individuals, mm -hmm. and you know she describes it as a social contagion, which is a phrase that has taken off, and it has really um, not a whole lot to do with physiology, physiology or anything else, but it is something that in the moment, and we've seen this throughout civilization, in the moment there is a, you know, some type of um, fad is the probably not the right word. I don't want to say it's a fad, but there are certain movements that erupt out of nowhere and persist, and sometimes they, they peter out and disappear. Kind but a it's trend. a social contagion. Yes, exactly. It's a social contagion untethered to any external factors, untethered to reality, frankly. And right now, one of those social contagions has, has to do with the identity politics issue, whether it's trans, race, you, you name it. And ne'er you can never say a discouraging word about the leftist narrative related to this. Otherwise, they will come at you viciously, attempt to cancel you, like they did with J.K. Rowling, who has the kind of money who can say, I do not care. She'll say it a little bit more graphically than that. Yeah. But most people can't. Even people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars can't do that because they may be cut off and then for the rest of their lives not be able to make any money. They're petrified by it, and you've got this mob that will come at you hammer and tong if you, you stray outside of the accepted narrative, just like we saw at Stanford Law School. These folks are, they're it's Stalinist, it's Maoist, it's not going to do us any good, and it's persisted over the last couple of decades. And maybe that's why you saw the declines in all those categories I mentioned at the, uh, the, the first segment. The things that are truly corrupting the United States of America and its continued viability. The United States of America and the left will constantly say this is not true. Yeah, and the, the, the communists used to say this in the Soviet Union, too, and tried to, you know, frankly, gaslight us. But things such as church attendance, patriotism, having kids, community involvement are all essential to the American uh, experiment. They define who we are. In many cases, as de Tocqueville said, it separates us from every other country. And yet now every major institution is trying to derogate it, trying to just destroy it. And you see it happening throughout society. And one element of it is mass shootings like this. And it's horrific uh, that anyone could think to go into a school and do this kind of thing is beyond imagination or used to be just 25 years ago. And it has, as I said before, it's not because there's more guns on the street, because we always had those. Mm -hmm. What has changed? And, it's, and I think that Wall Street Journal, and it wasn't just the Wall Street, it was the, the Gallup poll. I think that gives you a really good indication as to what's going downhill. 100%. Peter Kirsten out. Terrific analysis. As always, that's why we have him. We're going to take a time out, and we're going to continue with him as we continue the, the Nashville discussion. There are many layers to this onion that need to be peeled back, and we'll do that again with Pete right after this. This is AM 1420, The Answer, WHK, W273DG, Cleveland, a service. Taking off my game here for a moment, I'm uh, watching the video that has just been released. Uh, 
by authorities in Nashville. The body camera footage of one of the officers uh, whose names I, I, I started the show with this this morning. I started my interview with Chris Dorr of Ohio Gun Owners with it, and I'll repeat it now. Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo are heroes. Those are the two officers who shot and killed 28-year-old Audrey Hale, the woman transgender into man, or at least who thought she was a man, uh, who killed uh, those six people and tried to kill a lot more in Nashville. They would, She would have killed a lot more had these officers not done what they did. Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo say their names, remember their names. They're heroes. The body cam footage for Officer Engelbert was released. It's about six minutes long from the time he pulled up, got uh, his weaponry out of the uh, vehicle, uh, went in the front door, began to clear the school all the way through the point where he and uh, Officer Colazzo shot and killed uh, Audrey Hale, eliminating the threat and saving countless lives. And when I say countless, I mean literally we don't know. We have no idea if these officers had not reacted the way they did and done what they do, how many children and adults would have been killed. Um, the the toll was six, which is six too many, but these officers stopped it from being much, much higher. Uh, I didn't even finish the video yet, uh, but I will. And uh, I've shared it on Twitter during this uh, during that break as well. So you can see it on my Twitter feed, which is France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, R-A-N-T-Z. All right, let's continue now with Peter Kersenow. Peter, um, the other element to this that nobody has talked about yet, and I actually just got another note about it from another uh, uh, listener and friend, um, was the Christian school, the Presbyterian school um, that was targeted here, and the fact that the shooter, according to some reports, held some uh, severe anger for being forced to attend said school. You add that to the fact that the shooter, as mentioned, is trans, who identifies as a he-him and like the name Aiden instead of Audrey. Um, one could could reasonably ask if this was a hate crime, an anti-Christian hate crime. The fact that this Christian school was targeted by somebody in a town, and by the way, as long as we're on that subject, Peter, I'll throw this one for your reaction as well, or to you for reaction as well. Some on the left are blaming Nashville residents such as daily wire workers like Matt Walsh, uh, who lives in Nashville, and the Daily Wire's headquarters are in Nashville, blaming them for this trans anger because, well, let's just read it here. Quote, NBC has ID'd the Nashville school shooter as Audrey Hale, 28, who identifies as transgender and had no previous criminal record. Nashville is home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity by Matt Walsh blog, uh, Ben Shapiro, and Michael Knowles. Now, this was a tweet from NBC reporter uh, Benjamin Ryan, who also contributes to the New York Times, so almost blaming them for their anti-trans activity, as he calls it, for the shooting by a trans person of a Christian school. So first, is that a hate crime, or could it be viewed as one second? Your response to that angle here, where they literally are trying to say that uh, uh, the trans people who get angry enough to kill have been pushed there by anti-trans activists. Bob, I've, I've known you a long time now, and but I'm, I have to say I'm appalled by your uh, celebration of uh, the toxic masculinity showed by Engelbrecht and uh, Colazzo. Uh, my goodness, 
you know, how could you celebrate these uh, these uh, males who went in there with guns blazing? It is uh, astounding, is the, isn't it? This is the kind of idiocy. And it's not idiocy, it's insanity. We, there is, again, Abigail Schreier got it right. There is a social contagion abroad in the land. And it's not simply confined to one aspect of the culture or another. It is just one of these things where we think that the entire civilizational structure seems to be falling apart. Um, is this a potential hate crime? Don't know. I mean, it could be. If, it were, if roles were re- reversed, um, yes, you know, you could qu- quantify it as a hate crime. I have, as you know, uh, sent a number of requests to uh, Attorney General Garland on a host of matters related to assaults on religious institutions. And we've seen it, you know, after the Dobbs decision on a, on a number of occasions. And these assaults come not just from, you know, wacko individuals. There are organized assaults coming from the FBI and the DOJ. It's truly extraordinary. There is a uh, a broad-based I think attack on we you know I cited some of those institutions in the Wall Street Journal poll, but there's a broad-based and coordinated attack, a coherent attack on religious institutions. Many of us know that have seen it for a while. That's why I asked the Civil Rights Commission a number of years ago to have a hearing on this, and it was an astonishing hearing. And the people who came forward were describing amazing things that were happening in the country with respect to the assault on religious, not just religious freedom, but the religious period. And uh, it's been taken up several notches by the Biden administration and this current DOJ. So is it a hate crime? We don't know. We don't know all the motivation. It'll take some time. But I can tell you this, it will not be treated as one because the administration is promoting, not this, Okay, I'm not saying they're promoting assaults, but they're promoting antagonism toward religion. It's, it's definable, it's palpable, it's, the evidence is replete, and uh, it, it, when you put that together with that Wall Street Journal or that Gallup poll, it tells you about the gradual deterioration of the United States of America that Victor Davis Hanson has been writing about lately from a historical perspective. And it's really, I hate to use the term frightening, I think that's kind of wimpy, but in this case... Um, yeah, this is our our country, the country that we love, and we see it being torn apart piece by piece by the radical progressives. And, um, you know, I, I think that um, one of the things that needs to be said is when you look at the far left, which seems to be in control of almost the entire progressive agenda right now. It's not merely, you know, mainstream kind of cultural leftists, you know, the kind of liberals that we used to face during the Reagan administration or the Bush administration. These are hardcore, in many cases, if not, um, you know, true Marxists, at least cultural Marxists, and they brook no quarter. They will not stop until they achieve their agenda. And we don't even know what that, that final agenda is, but we know in the direction, the trajectory that we're seeing right now, it's not a very good one for the country. So, um, I, I'm, you know, I, I hate to be pessimistic on a, a bright Sunday morning in, in Cleveland. We get very few of those. But until we turn it around, if we can turn it around, and people like, there are very fine people really skeptical as to whether or not, you know, we've already gone around the bend and will not be able to turn it around. But until we do so, we're going to see more and more of this. And I'll say again one more time to repeat, it has nothing to do with the prevalence of guns, nothing whatsoever. It has to do with the lack of, I think, spirituality. And I don't mean that, you know, you can decide for yourself what that means, whether it's Christianity, whether it's uh, Judaism, whether it's uh, Islam, I don't care what it is, but there's a lack of core, a lack of a soul that I think is drawn this country into being some kind of uh, insane version of the Weimar Republic. Peter, um, 
I want to ask you a, another question about dealing with this type of thing. And, and this goes back to, you know, good guys with guns stop bad guys with guns, as we just identified those two masculine, uh, not-so-toxic uh, heroes, Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. Um, as heroic as they were, it took them 14 minutes to get there from the time right. the shooting started, which is just the nature of the business. When, second, when seconds count, uh, the cops are minutes away. And it's not their fault. It's just it's the way that it is. Uh, which brings us to the idea of armed officers in every building. Um, I think you and I feel the same way about Mike DeWine, uh, not very respectful of him as the governor of this state. But literally, this was yesterday morning, I believe, before uh, the shooting. I could be wrong, but I think this was posted on Cleveland.com before the shooting, which is very coincidental, but Governor Mike DeWine proposes spending $388 million Ohio tax dollars to put police officers in every school, public and private. Uh, and some are concerned about the school-to-prison pipeline. Uh, from the article, I just want to share a couple of lines here with you that before you give your reaction to this. Um, Tanisha Pruitt of Policy Matters Ohio said, School is a place where childhood happens. For many students in Ohio, school is a safe place to learn, develop, and grow. These people are concerned that the schools won't look like safe spaces if there are armed cops all over the place. Um, one report, uh, or excuse me, a, a, a line in this report, and I've lost it now. I apologize. I tried to highlight it while you were talking, but I missed it because I was listening to you. But at any rate, um, opponents of this say uh, that this is going to make the kids feel less safe, and uh, they are concerned that when lesser crimes than school shootings take place in the school, everybody is going to be quick to run to the cop, and so kids are going to feel terrified that they're not able to do even just you know foolish mischief stuff without being reported to the police. So uh, there are obviously proponents for this, and there are some opponents to this idea. What do you say? Well, it may not be the best idea, neither is it the worst idea. I would commend to your audience uh, a, uh, a statement that I wrote in furtherance of the Civil Rights Commission School Discipline Report. It was an extensive hearing that we had. We had a lot of people coming in, experts in every, every area, and ordinary uh, parents and uh, students, too. And it was a fascinating hearing a few years ago, and I wrote a statement on it because the Obama administration had been... Uh, implementing school disciplinary guidelines, which essentially, as most progressive guidelines would do, would completely exonerate the bad actors and put these some of these violent kids, kids who've done bad things back in the classroom. Uh, you couldn't discipline them, and they knew they couldn't be disciplined, so what did they do? Uh, among other things, for example, we had a, a witness there who was a, a, a Buffalo school teacher who had suffered brain damage because a, a student had assaulted her, knowing that he could do so with virtual impunity. And it, it's true. He was back in the school the next day. Uh, and that went on and on and on and on. And so what do you do? We've got a culture now where, unfortunately, you've got these 12, 13, 14-year-olds who are acting like they're Al Capone. Um, you know, weapons being brought to school, acting out, uh, it, it's, it's just really bad news. And who does that hurt? It hurts the kids who want to learn. In most cases, in many cases, in a disproportionate number of cases, those are minority kids. Minority kids, and we had uh, one data point was, for example, that when um, something like over a million students had lost, um, uh, more than a million students said that they were afraid to go to school, number one. Number two is, I can't remember the, the total number of school days lost by virtue of students staying home 
not because they were ill, not because they wanted to avoid uh, homework or something like that, but because they were afraid of going to school and being subjected to uh, you know, violence, not just bullying. And stuff. I mean, violence, getting their arms broken, getting punched out. Uh, so, you know, I'm in favor of more robust security measures, but I'm also in favor of, look, uh, you know, root causes. We don't like to necessarily talk about root causes. I'm not necessarily a big fan of going into real deep root causes because it takes, takes a long time, but you've got to do it. And the root causes, let's face it, one of the data points that we also saw was almost all of the violence was coming from kids who came from single-parent homes. I'm not blaming single-parent homes. It's just a reality that one parent has a more difficult time disciplining and making sure that a child is behaving appropriately than a two-parent home. It's hard enough for a two-parent home. You know, my, my family is a two-parent home. Very difficult to make sure your kids walk the straight and narrow. But in a one-parent home, especially in today's culture with all the things that, are, that kids are subjected to, virtually an impossibility. But we keep ignoring what's right in front of us, and we keep looking in the wrong direction purposely, it seems to me, because we have so much evidence as to what works and what doesn't work. And by this time, we should be doing the things that we know work. You know, it's not perfect. But my goodness, do the things, that even if it's uncomfortable, even if we have to speak uncomfortable truths to do so, it's better than to have to see those dead kids. Uh, and, and, and the left is adamant that we keep looking in the wrong way, ignore the things right in front of us, and make sure we continue to perpetuate the very same things that have caused these horrific circumstances. Pete, um, specific to the price tag, um, do you think Ohio, I mean, everything you just said, you know, is, is obviously relevant, but do you think Ohioans who believe that we should have an armed officer in every, every school so that we don't have to wait 14 minutes for somebody to come in and stop a horrible, horrible shooting or, or attack, do you think they're willing to spend high, you know, pay higher taxes for that? To, to get to that $388 million? I, I talked to Chris Dorr last hour. He said it shouldn't have to come to that. There was so much pork and waste in the budget already in the state of Ohio. We ought to be able to just reallocate dollars to do that. Um, and I think he's right. But, but, but just from a, from a strictly public standpoint, I have said on the radio and many times in the past year since, you know, it, it, while, while covering mass shootings like this and talking about this very same subject, I have said I'd be willing to pay. There are very few things I would be willing to pay higher taxes for because we're already taxed over the amount we should be anyway. But one of them is for more police officers generally to keep neighborhoods and cities safe, but specifically to put them in um you know, whether they be retired cops, on-duty cops, uh, retired, uh, you know, uh, military veterans, whatever the case might be, I'd be willing to raise my taxes to protect our kids in such way. Do you think most Ohioans will back this from that standpoint with uh, from DeWine? Yeah, I think they will, with one caveat. Um, I think, and you touched upon it, not just Ohioans, but a lot of Americans uh, say, you know, every time they raise our taxes, every time we spend more money, uh, and, and, you know, the ultimate goal for which the money is being spent is one with which they agree, they are nonetheless reluctant to agree to higher taxes because they see it squandered so horribly and stupidly. The, the ultimate objective is not met, so they're very skeptical of raising taxes, not because of the outcome, not because of the objective, the goal of you know, having cops there to reduce violence, but because they just don't trust the people in charge to do it the right way. But I do think, on average, Americans generally, and Ohioans specifically, would be in favor of something. Because of all of the methods that we've talked about over the last number of years since school shootings became an epidemic, 
And I think the one that works is, you know, the good guy with a gun. The good guy with a gun stopping the bad guy with the gun. And yeah. a trained good guy like a cop acts as a deterrent as well as somebody who can thwart something that is ongoing. Um, but again, you know, it's almost like uh, you get these dog whistles when you say anything related to cops. I don't know that we're going to be – I'm hopeful it, something like that can be passed. And I'm also hopeful that it can be administered in a smart, intelligent fashion. That hope has been diminished considerably in my lifetime because I see more and more and more incompetence. I see more technology. I see more money being spent. I see all kinds of other things being done, boards and everything being set up. And yet we yield more and more ineffectual results in incompetency. Peter Kersenow, terrific stuff. <clears throat> Hard topic today. Uh, obviously, we spent the entire thing on Nashville, but that's the reality. That's where we are. And some of the angles of this that we did cover outside of just the gun control calls and how do we protect kids, the uh, the anger in the trans movement. And by the way, for those who don't know, and uh, Pete is super quick on this, I, I did mention it in the open of the show, the last four trans shooters, or rather, not the last four, but four of the last in the last several months, Colorado Springs shooter, non-binary, Denver shooter, trans, Aberdeen shooter trans nashville shooter trans this is getting to be more than just coincidental this may be epidemic and when you consider the fact that there are now pro trans advocates posting images of themselves on twitter holding signs that say um uh, trans rights or else with silhouettes of rifles on them that is a direct threat this is what we are going to do and when they have also posted trans day of vengeance coming April, March 31st, April 1st. That's this Friday and Saturday. I don't know what Trans Day of Vengeance means, but it doesn't look like they're going to hold hands and sing. Uh, so uh, this, is a, this is a legitimate uh, a threat and a legitimate and serious issue that we have to discuss. And I thank you, Peter Kirstenau, for doing that. Bob, quick shout-out to your great listeners, Connie and Terry Walworth, who are navigating through some things in life right now. They're great listeners, great fans, great Americans. want to acknowledge them. Well, thank you for doing that, Pete. God bless them. And thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, Bob. That's Pete. Uh, It's 1055. We'll be back. Consultants.com. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by The Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools, and our honored dead who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now at 10 minutes past 11 o'clock on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. It's the 28th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2023. We've had a lot of great things come out of the speakers today. 
literally, uh, terrific conversation with Peter Kersenow, very important conversation, an educational one with Chris Dore. And none of it was as amazing as what I saw come out of my um, my phone as I watched the uh, body cam footage of the two officers who shot and killed 28-year-old Audrey Hale, a woman who pretended to be a man who used he, him pronouns, but of course did not get those pronouns uh, in the coverage of her murder of six people. The two officers are Rex Engelbert and, uh, Engelbert and uh, Michael Colazzo, and I watched twice now the full six-minute video of the released body cam footage from both officers, so you got it from two different perspectives. Um, the intensity is incredible. Um, it, it's hard to put into words what it's like to follow these officers through those hallways as they cleared that building and finally made their way to the room where uh, the area where the shooter was, who was up on the second floor and had been shooting down at the police cars as they arrived. Uh, they shot and killed uh, her, and, uh, and like I said, it's it's intense, and it's hard to, to put into words that intensity unless you watch it for yourself. I've tweeted it. I'll probably Facebook post it as well um, on Twitter at France Rants, F-R-A-N-T-Z, Rants, R-A-N-T-Z. And uh, I'll make it a public post on Facebook as well so that you can see it. And I bring that up again because I want you to know their names. Everybody's going to know the name of the shooter. I already have it memorized, Audrey Hale. People are probably going to know their names for at least a while of the victims, although eventually they will run together with other victims from other shootings. Nobody talks about the heroes. So know the names Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo. By the way, there were multiple officers who came in and responded. They just happened to be the two who shot and killed uh, um uh, Audrey Hale, who liked to go by the name Aiden as her male persona. Uh, but the other officers were just as brave because they entered into rooms and open areas where they could have been the first ones hit as well. But these two individuals, you should know their names because of what they did. And I went on Twitter um, about a half an hour ago when I first saw this video, and I just said, um, thank you, God, um, for... Uh, for the heroes. Thank you and praise God for giving these heroes the courage and skill to protect the innocent from evil and to save countless lives. I really, really, truly mean countless lives. I don't know how many kids are in that school, but if those cops didn't do what they had done, if they had reacted in the way that the Uvalde cops did, as we found out uh, after the fact, uh, we don't know how many how many deaths we would be mourning this morning and yesterday. So uh, thank you, God, and praise God for giving these heroes uh, that courage and that ability and that skill to to withstand such an incredible moment. All right, phone lines are open, and uh, they're packed up at 216-901-0945. That's not a contradiction. They are open, but they're full. Uh, 216-901-0945. We're going to go right to your responses to what we've seen and heard this morning. Uh, first, we're going down to Houston, Texas. My friend Will always listens to us here in Cleveland, and it's good to have you here on the air, my friend. Go right ahead. Hey, brother. How you doing this morning? I'm good, buddy. What's up? Awesome. Uh, so there, there's a one main focus of this story. I, I listened to Peter, but I, I think I didn't catch everything, uh, the mm-hmm. whole uh, discussion. But there's one thing that I, I, I hope and pray that you and other talk show hosts really stress in this whole situation. And that's the fact that this sick, twisted piece of crap avoided that the, the, the police police officer doing the interview said that this person avoided going to a particular school because of the security. 
Will, let me interrupt you there. Let's let people hear exactly what you're talking about here. I happen to have this queued up because I wanted to use it anyway, so let's use it during your call. Hold on. It was the only school that was targeted. Uh, there was another location that was mentioned, uh, but because of a, a threat assessment by the suspect, uh, too much security, they decided not to. And that area was here in Nashville, so we're continuing with that investigation as well. It was the only- A threat assessment by the suspect that there was too much security, so they didn't go there. Because you know what, Will? Uh, it's universal. I found this in every single case of every mass shooting we've ever covered is that the shooters don't like being shot back at. That is just the reality that has never failed. They like shooting, but they don't like being shot at, and that's why they avoid places where there might be somebody shooting back at them. Go ahead. And and, and it's that, like I said, I, I hope that that's threat throughout the day, throughout the week, as much as this is talked about, because you're not going to hear this. You're not going to hear that from, from, from Democrats. You're not going to hear that, and, and you're not going to hear that from these people. They, they went straight to the gun angle, which just burned, burned my blood, man. If you have innocent babies that was attacked, and the first thing y'all want to start talking about is guns, and the fact that it was guns at this other place possibly saved a whole lot more babies. The fact that there was guns at this other place, you know, if you think about it, it probably saved a whole lot more babies. And one, one last thing, brother. Mm-hmm. The fact that this person had a manifesto, the fact that that means that this person was intent on killing people. It doesn't matter if what, kind, what kind of gun it was. They, they, they would have picked up a kitchen knife if possible. It didn't have anything to do with the kind of guns. That, that's to be the last thing. But mentioned that should be the least important thing in this whole story. But these sick Democrats, the, the first thing they want to do is run in front of the doggone camera, start squawking about uh, 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 guns, uh, rifles, and stuff. It, it, it makes me mad, man. That that you know, like I said, these babies are not even in the ground yet. That's the first thing y'all want to talk about, man. I, yeah. That, that's well, and you know, and the, the worst part about it too, Will, is. You know, what you just said about a kitchen knife, a kitchen knife is more lethal. And I don't mean like in a given instance, but the reality is, according to federal crime statistics, there are more people who are stabbed to death in this country every year than are killed by assault rifles or really, period, rifles. Um, there are more people beaten to death with fists and feet that are killed by the quote-unquote assault rifles that they immediately came out to call for the banning of. You know, the idea that, that, that it's the weapon, the weapon's fault is so ridiculous. Why do we not blame the killers? You know, no one has ever blamed Ford for a DUI that kills somebody. <laughs> Nobody has ever blamed Ford. They blamed the person who got behind the wheel while they were drunk and committed a vehicular homicide. So why the hell does that change when it comes to somebody who is shooting people? Why are we blaming the weapon of choice? And like, like I said, brother, I, 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 I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm going to end on this note, man. It's, it's imperative. It's imperative that the, that the world, that the, everybody understands guns potentially save the lives of a bunch of other babies, man. Exactly right. The fact that that this sick, twisted piece of crap did not go to this other location. Why? Because of the security. Well, you know, I've I've posted a number of times, and in fact, it's already on Twitter, too. You might see it when you hop back on there. Um, You know, there's a sign that's on a fence of a school in Weldon. I can't remember the state now because this one's been hanging for a while now. 
but it's a sign on a fence outside of a school called Weldon. It's got their logo there, the Weldon Warriors, and it says, Attention, please be aware that certain staff members at Weldon Valley School are legally armed and may use whatever force necessary to protect our students. That sign would make somebody like this sick twist, Audrey Hale, turn around and go away and go find someplace else to shoot. That sign alone. Now, you've got to back it up, too, and literally have somebody on staff or an armed officer inside, preferably plain clothed, clothed so they are not targeted first. But, uh, but that sign and that threat would be enough to turn all of these cowards away because they don't like being shot at. Amen, brother. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate your call. Appreciate you listening, listening down there in Houston as well. I got a lot of people in Houston that I'm uh, very familiar with. I do some radio down there from time to time, and I got some folks that uh, listen to us up here. So thank you, Will. Um, Cleveland, closer to home now, obviously. TJ, go ahead, TJ. Yeah, you know, Bob, I listened a lot this morning about how we secure our schools. And, you know, I'll admit, you know, having an armed officer in every school would be ideal. But, you know, I question the practicality of it. I look at a, a city like Cleveland, who's over 300 officers short just to patrol our streets. Yeah. Uh, how many officers are they? can they afford to uh, staff every school with one? Now, my idea is, like, if you could get volunteers, let's say, like, retired uh, police officers, ex-combat veterans, and team them up with a highly trained German Shepherd. Now you're looking at, first, you can't ask for a better early warning device than a dog. And what better deterrent than 100 pounds of muscle and fur bearing down on you at lightning speed? And these dogs can be trained for any situation, you know, uh, where they're gentle with the children. But unlike a human, when it comes time for action, they're not going to hesitate. They're going in, and they're going in every time without any feelings for their own, you know, safety or security. Uh, I think but that P- would be... But, but, but TJ, um, my question is, why are you so racist? Don't you well, know I mean, that? Don't yeah, you know that right. police dogs are racists? Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's what you that's have not to fight that's with not yeah, yeah, that's not just me being a smart aleck. By the no, way, no, in no, California, you yeah, you may have seen this. The California Assembly's Public Safety Committee has approved a bill that would ban the use of police dogs for arrests or apprehensions or crowd control. The first in the country measure of its kind, because according to the author of the bill, the authors of the bill, uh, police dogs are racist against African Americans and people of color. Uh, Assembly Bill 742 seeks to ban the use of police dogs for arrest, apprehensions, or any form of crowd control because of the history of dogs being used against African Americans back in the pre civil rights era. You know, and, and, and that makes me think of like in Vietnam where we had the service dogs, and I'm telling you, Bob, they saved more lives than anybody. I mean, the jobs they did. Now, were they racist? Because they were going after Vietnamese. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, this this stuff is crazy coming out of California. Well, they say nobody is born racist. You learn racism. And so they train the dogs to be racist against whatever color they don't like at the moment. Uh, so if they don't like the you know Vietnamese, then that's what they're going to train them for. This is literally what they're saying. And obviously, I'm being tongue-in-cheek because it is so ridiculous uh, that police uh, canines cannot be used and should not be used because of the quote-unquote history of this. But this is what these lunatics say. I, I don't disagree with you by the way there are police dogs in uh, airports the last time i flew 
there was a, in the TSA line, there was an officer walking a police dog back and forth, back and forth. That's all they did for I don't even know how many hours at a time. But back and forth, letting the dog smell the area, some, trying to smell for probably explosives uh, or maybe weapons. I don't know. But um, those police dogs can be used, as you say, and trained to do just about anything. And, yeah, I think it would be a very, uh, you know, a very strong deterrent. Um, and, and doesn't it, Bob, make you feel secure when you see that? You know, we take our shepherd trooper up to the local schoolyard every day at 430. He chases his frisbee and uh, chases his ball. Yeah. And, you know, the teachers learn to love him. And, you know, I had a teacher tell me the one day when they walk out of the school into the parking lot, it gives them kind of a, a nice, secure feeling just to see him out there. You know, no the only, there. the only, I don't disagree with any of that. I agree 100%, by the way. But the only thing is, you know, how uh, I was texting with somebody before we came back on the air who, you know, talked about, you know, police officers being in every building would be the first ones hit by a shooter because obviously the shooter knows that's where their threat lies. So they would shoot the cop first. And I said, yeah, but plain clothes. Um, with the dog, there's no plain clothing the dog. If there's going to be a dog there, it is known to be the police dog. And if a shooter knows that there is a police dog there, when it sees it, it's going to be the first thing that the, uh, uh, that he probably shoots. The officer, or excuse me, the dog and then the officer that's handling it would probably be the first two shot because they would be the ones, you know, probably from a close or a, from a, a hidden position. Uh, you know, like they always do, the cowards that they are, and so that's the one drawback there. the uh, the 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 possession of the dog would identify the dog's owner or the handler there as being the cop, and they'd be the first two shot from a, from a hidden position before they could even react. That's the one drawback. Well, that's true, Bob, but they're quick, and I mean, believe me, when you got one bearing down on you, you know, taking a nice aim shot. They had one shepherd in Nam named Bosco. And he was trained to smell out like ambushes and things like that. He went beyond the call of duty. The dog had five confirmed kills. He actually went into the bunker after the enemy. Now, he wasn't trained to do that. He just did it. That yeah, was his job. And, well, and, they're and amazing, the no is, doubt. And by the way, I hear yours in the background there. So yeah, <laughs> I well, think your yeah, dog wants a, some airtime here, too. TJ, I got a jet, my friend. I thank okay. you for the call. Great points. Uh, uh, but like I said, there's, you know, I think there's going to be pros and cons to every suggestion and solution that we come up with here. If you're on hold, stay there. If you're not on hold, you should get there. We'll take your calls continuing after this. Let's uh, get another call in before the bottom of the hour. We'll go to Westlake and say hello to Joe. Hi, Joe. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Bob. I'd like to say thanks to Peter Kersenow because he gave me an answer that I've been looking for for the past three years. Namely, how on earth could we have a shot rollout that's killing a bunch of people and it still goes on, number one. Number two, Biden instigates a proxy war with Russia and appears to be on the path to doing that with China, number two. And number three, we've got this just unbelievable situation of uh, trans terrorism and children being, uh, you know, guided towards this horrible mutilation. How on earth can this happen? And Peter answered the question with statistics about what's changed over the past 25 years. Reduction yeah. in families. So just wanted to say thanks. 
Well, I, I agree, and I thank him, too, for that. And thank you so much for the call, Joe. Um, those statistics were from a, um, a, Wa- a Wall Street Journal poll. I actually reported on those yesterday morning, too. I was glad to hear Peter saw it uh, and reported on it, too. Let me see if I can pull them up again. Yeah, this was, this was a um, Wall Street Journal poll um, that was done earlier this month, uh, over a 1,000 people, so a good, solid sample size. And the question was, is which of these values are very important to you personally? Patriotism. In 1998, that number was 70%. Today, 38%. Religious faith. In 1998, it was 62%. Today, 39%. And hard work. In 1998, 83% said this was very important to them personally. Today, 67%. So, yeah, Pete was right. The people who responded to the survey are right, and it's sad to report that we are indeed losing the most important things that made us great. Great call. We'll be back after the break. Giving you reason. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and The Answer. Onward at uh, 1135. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. You know, I um, I had to reply to another tweet. Um, this one is actually last night, but uh, I want to share it with you now because it's important that you know. Um, one of the loudest cries from the radical left that want to take away your guns is we're the only nation in the world that this has this this kind of gun violence look at all of the other nations that have banned guns see how much safer it is there and of course my response is yeah see how much less free it is there i would rather live in liberty and self-defense and protection than live under tyranny and dictatorships but um there was a post here from uh, somebody named Stephen leclerc who says Canadian here, your neighbor with the cold winters and sensible gun laws. Did you know we've had 11 school shootings, shooting deaths? Not this month or this year, but total in history. And absolutely no deaths in elementary schools. Why? Because gun laws save lives. Listen, it's the guns. And so I just felt the need to respond. Um, not only with what I said about liberty, but also with some facts. Let's talk about how glorious it is up in the great white north. Let's talk about what it's like to live without freedom, without liberty. Because in the great white north, the alleged misuse of pronouns, for example, is not just illegal, it's a human rights violation. Following a drawn-out court battle in the Canadian justice system, the court told a Canadian dad that he had to stop referring to his own daughter as a girl because the daughter identified as a boy. The father rightfully refused to comply with the court order, and in May of 2021, a warrant was issued for his arrest. The father was jailed as a criminal because he refused to call his daughter a boy and sought instead to get her mental health therapy. In 2016, Jordan Peterson, Canadian professor, you know Jordan Peterson. In 2016, Jordan Peterson refused to use uh, transgender pronouns and criticized and condemned Canada's Bill C-16 legislation that codified gender ideology into Canadian law. 
Now Peterson is facing the governing body of the College of Psychologists in Ontario, which is threatening to pull his license, his psychology license, if he does not undergo social media re-education. What else is going on up in Canada? You remember the Canadian trucker strike of 2022? Do you remember Artur, um, why, why can I not, uh, Pulaski, the Polish-Canadian Polish pastor who was in prison for 51 days just for speaking to the convoy. Canada's totalitarian actions even extend to political opponents. In 2021, Maxime Bernier, leader of the People's Party of Canada, was arrested for attending an anti-lockdown event in protest of Canada's authoritarian lockdowns. Bernier warned that Americans should not take their freedoms for granted. Well, guess what? We don't. We don't. Canadian, your neighbor with the cold winters, uh, yay, hey, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's us, American here. With the warmer climate, for the most part, still cold up north near your border, but, but yeah, um, did you know that we have something you don't have there? It is called rights. It is called liberty. It is called freedom, which is why we are the destination of millions of people around the world who want to go somewhere to achieve and to survive and to thrive and to live freely. Do you know there's a reason they want to come here and not there? Because we actually do have freedom here. And yes, that also means threats. It also means people taking advantage of those freedoms and doing terrible things. But because we're a little bit more advanced, we choose not to punish innocent people for the crimes committed by others. We don't strip the rights away from law-abiding people because of law-breaking people. We're not stupid. BJ's in North Olmstead. Hi, BJ. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. I'd like to make three brief, quick points. We have a National Guard for a reason in this country, and because we don't have enough police, we should activate the National Guard to protect the nationalism of our country until we're able to hire more police or or protect these youngsters in school. The other thing I'd like to point out is that in six years, it'll be 100 years since the crash of 29, which in my opinion was brought on by the bankers. And you watch this gentleman, which he's going to do. We're on the threshold of another major depression, and all these people that have these mortgages and finance these huge homes they have are going to be in jeopardy. The question is why. It's to control the population of America like they did in 29. In the roaring 20s, things were exploding and doing very well. And for no reason, the banks fought on the depression because they tightened up the money. The third thing I'd like to bring up is that there's been a lot of, uh, on, on media and the stories of anti-Semitism growth in this country. And what is bewildering about it is that they're talking about the Holocaust that's occurred. They're pushing a lot of this. The real thing that surprises me is that if there's so much anti-Semitism, why is it that the Christian world religion is dedicated to the worship of Jews, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and so on? So there's a lot of confusion that's going on in people's minds in this country, and they don't know what the hell to think anymore. But there are a lot of issues that we're into in this time, and I have predicted that March, April, May, and come June, you're going to see some explosive things taking place with the public 
in their level of awareness, and I thank you for the time you give me. Well, thank you, BJ. And, you know, I think some people are going to find bigotry wherever they want. They're going to find it if they look for it, and they're going to determine that it's bigotry if this isn't spoken about enough, if that isn't spoken about enough, or if this is spoken too much and so forth. So you're right about the anti-Semitism. There is anti-Semitism. There's a lot of anti-Semitism. Let's not, let's not mistake that. Just to hit that last point that you made there. Uh, but to say that it is rampant as it is and to accuse people uh, in a country that, a Judeo-Christian country, by the way, in which the Christians overwhelmingly support the Jewish people and the Jewish state of Israel is um, is a misnomer. It's uh, it's just not accurate. Thank you, BJ. Sally and Berea next. Hi, uh, Sally. Good, good morning. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. I'm even on a fixed income. I would be happy to pay more tax to protect our schools. And I think that the students themselves, the children would feel more secure knowing that someone was on site to protect them. And if the person is dressed in plain clothes, how scary is that? Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said in a previous uh, call, I mentioned it too. If um, if there's a uniformed officer on the uh, uh, on the campus or in a school building, that would be the first target of somebody who does what this particular shooter in Nashville did. You know, you probably have seen the video that's been released now. They shot, uh, she shot through the door, which is a glass door, glass, you know, front entry door. It was locked as it's supposed oh, to be. I'm sorry? Can we lose? Yeah, that, that's a problem oh. being glass. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Sal. I didn't even know you were still there. I heard I heard somebody say something. I thought it was my producer. I thought you were you thought you were gone. Okay. Well, thank you for the for the call. I appreciate it. Let me finish the thought on that, uh, and I do appreciate that. The shooter shot through the glass, uh, which of course alerted the school to the presence, and they went into their lockdown mode. Uh, but one would imagine that the first responder would be the armed, uniformed officer. That officer, if the if uh, the shooter is is shooting from a covered position, is going to be the first one that the shooter, in this case the the woman uh, 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 Audrey Hill, uh, takes out, because that's the threat that might shoot back at her. Um, so. To me, the answer to that would be plain clothes. The person needs to look like a staffer, uh, just like any other teacher or any other, you know, custodian or something like that, just so that nobody knows, uh, who, who comes in. And usually, the, you know, in this particular case, this shooter knew the school from having gone there years and years and years ago, but most of them don't know. Uh, anybody in the school, and they don't know who's a staffer and who's not. And I think that would be a better way to do it than a uniformed officer, because then they don't know who to shoot first. And then once something does happen, the uh, staffer who is armed or the officer who is dressed like a staff member, a faculty member, uh, can spring into action. So there's a lot of elements to that that still continue to need to be discussed. But I do think, and I agree with you, most Ohioans would be willing to pony up the dough to put officers, armed officers, and armed security in each of our schools. That's where we have to leave it for now. Thank you to my guests. Uh, terrific uh, conversation with Chris Dore. Great conversation with Pete Kersenow. Thanks to Josh running the show, Marianne and Marcy. And thanks to you for listening. Be well, be safe, stay free. We'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.